Guys, mental health is something that Dan and I are extremely passionate about, which is why it excites us to say that we are partnering with BetterHelp for sponsoring this episode and our podcast. BetterHelp is the world's leading therapy service, and it's 100% online. With BetterHelp, you can tap into a network of over 30,000 licensed and experienced therapists who can help you with a wide range of issues. To get started, you just answer a few questions about your needs and preferences in therapy. That way, BetterHelp can match you with the right therapist from their network. Then you can talk to your therapist however you feel comfortable, whether it's via text, chat, phone, or video call. You can message your therapist at any time and schedule live sessions when it's convenient for you. If your therapist isn't the right fit for any reason, you can switch to a new therapist at no additional charge. With BetterHelp, you get the same professional and quality you expect from in-office therapy, but with a therapist who is custom-picked for you, more scheduling flexibility, and at a more affordable price. Get 10% off your first month at BetterHelp.com slash BacksideGroundBalls. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P, dot com slash BacksideGroundBalls. By Riverside. Welcome back to episode one oh one of the Backside Ground Balls Podcast. Super excited to be back here on the pod. My name is Trevor Powers, and I am joined by my co-host, Dan Galati. And Dan, I didn't mention this to you off air, uh, but today's a very special day. Uh, One of our loyalist of loyal listeners, one of our only multi-live listener, um, it's their birthday today. Happy birthday, Brady. Brady turned one. He's got the let me let me put down the microphone. He's got a whole get up going on right now. No, no, he's running away. But Danielle got Did him a birthday me- boy, little little like hamper around his neck. He's got a little ribbon. I don't know what he's got in his mouth right now. But <laughs> did he get any treats good. or anything? Did he get any presents? Yeah, he did. We got him some treats. I wanted her to get him a pup cup and and get him a candle and and we would uh. We sang happy birthday to him, so he got treated like the the spoiled dog that he is. So uh, our loyalist fan, he's here every time. He sits right next to me, and and he enjoys listening to the show live. So so no better time to give him a shout out than than right now, sitting at one years old. So pretty how, pretty good. How year. long have you had him now? It's been a while. So we got him on September twenty fifth. Uh, so it was not. So we've had him for. I mean. Do that math. Nine, I think it's two months, months after today. Yeah, roughly ten months. Yeah. So you said September twenty fifth. Yeah. Today's the twenty fifth. Yeah. So two. It was. Uh. It was two months after he was, because he had to get all of his shots and whatnot. So I still Which, remember picking him up. He was like as big as my forearm. He was eating grass when we grabbed him, and and he was really good in the car ride home. What's crazy is that feels like it was six weeks ago. Oh, it doesn't feel that long ago. He's so big and and uh, filled out now that uh, it, it it does not feel like it was that long ago. If it wasn't for for how much bigger he is now, so um, yeah. But uh, yeah, so shout out, happy birthday to Brady, our loyalist listener, um, and he definitely shares with his dog friends that about the backside ground balls podcast. Let's uh, well, we appreciate that. That's because he is our our best listener. He shares with his friends. Um, Let's air some dirty laundry. Who's the better dog parent in that house? In terms of what? Well, I wish Let's, we could ask Brady who his favorite was. His favorite okay. is Daniel. Matt, I'm a, is it so? Like, if we put you guys next to each other and you both started calling him, he would run to Danielle. Uh, probably. Um, I would say when it comes to actually evaluating us as dog parents, there's a couple. There's like waves to it. She gives him more affection more pets he gets more attention from her i'm a lot she plays with him more in the house because i'm usually running around doing stuff cleaning folding laundry and stuff like that i'm better at taking him out 
I'm more responsible in terms of making sure he gets fed. Um, so that we definitely deviate the options a little bit. I'm better at taking him for walks. She's better at taking him out back to play. Um, cause she doesn't want to go walk in a, in a park and, and I'm like, take him out and do that. So we both have our, uh, have our strong skill sets that, that I'm sure Brady appreciates. So we're, we're kind of a good balance for him, but, uh, yeah, I'd say he definitely probably likes Danielle a little bit more than he likes me. She spends a lot more time at home with him is my excuse for that. Well, that makes sense. I mean, yeah. I mean, the attachment, the affection probably helps. You've probably – have you? I'm assuming you've done a little more disciplining. Um, yeah, I'd say so probably. I, actually, she's probably more the disciplinary one. She gets – she gets frustrated with him sometimes. She's the she's the hammer. That's surprised to nobody um, that knows the both of us that no. she's the she, yeah. she's the uh, she's the hammer in the relationship. I'm the ah, what, what do you know? Yeah, yeah. Um, I saw an interesting tweet today about coaches like you. Uh, what what's that? Uh, it was just it was just a, an older coach who was on his soapbox uh, complaining about younger coaches. Very upset. So he was like, he he as you should to the, uh, how do you say Twitter now? Zetter? X? He was, he was venting to the X world. Yeah, the X sphere. The X men. Um, are you and asking women. me to pull this tweet up? I can, I can definitely read it to you. This will get us going for a little bit here. So this, uh, yeah. the CEO of Scouts USA, Scouts Report, host Get on the Ship podcast, host of Scouts no Nation on Rumble. No free ads. Don't follow, retweet, share, listen. Um, actually, we'll just cut that part. Uh, he's from I'm Georgia. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Phoebe's on vacation. <clears throat> so at Trevor Powers, uh, I love how these young college coaches get on here and talk about old heads and grumpy old guys. <laughs> Here's a piece of advice. If some of you guys were worth a shit, sorry for my language, at what you do, nobody would complain. The lack of discipline and lack of fundamentals is at an all-time high. The lack of respect at an all-time high. The amount of Bush League bull, you know, at an all-time high. Honky. My suggestion is instead of trying to be a cool coach, is for you to grow some balls and run a program with some <laughs> character and discipline. <laughs> then everyone will lay off of you. Until then, the bullets will fly. FYI, how about winning something in Proving your let everyone do what they want to do actually wins. Just win something. Then you can prove your way works. But as of now, nobody has done it. Well, first off, I do feel personally attacked um, <laughs> for any of our <laughs> our former players that, that were, I guess, uh, lucky enough to, to be graced by my time in coaching. You know that. I am the cool guy or I try to be the cool guy. And there is not a, not a day that we don't have fun. And I don't, I don't necessarily say that uh, the fundamentals are ignored, but they're not prioritized. Uh, we'd like to have fun. And, and I'm lucky enough that I worked with a couple people that uh, keep these guys in line a little bit more than I did. Cause uh, if maybe if it was me running it, the in, in the inmates would run the asylum a little bit there. So I don't know. I do feel a little personally attacked, but maybe that's why I'm podcasting right now on a on a fine Tuesday evening and not not out there recruiting in in Georgia where this guy is because uh, I don't have what it takes according to him. Well, I didn't feel personally attacked because I'm not a young college coach. Yeah, so that's true. I just I read it, I chuckled, and uh, moved on down my X feed. So. Was, uh, feed, yeah. I just thought you might enjoy that. Just a little light reading to uh, start off the episode tonight. Yeah, I mean that's that is if anybody reads that, they probably think of of some of me that's been around me. So you're not the only one, I'm sure. Um, so maybe we'll have to get him on his on the podcast and ask him some questions about about why he hates me. Um, I, I, I also wouldn't say it would it would be fair to. I don't think you. I don't think you necessarily fallen under all that. You were a very good coach. Um, I appreciate I, that. I don't think you let anything fly. Like you know, I don't. I'm not quite sure. Yeah. His gripe and my gripe with baseball are completely different. I, I think that he's right that some of the fundamentals are at an all time. I don't know if it's – I mean, I guess you can always point to coaching, but I point more towards like 
individualized player younger people only they're still like you're still a part of the game if he's still yeah. coaching so aren't you a part of the problem too i, I would i blame like travel ball if you really want oh, me to I dig blame, in i, I blame travel I really, ball for a lot of things yeah i do i do think it's more of the individualized development that everybody prioritizes because at the end of the day it's not you know, like when you think about even when we sit here and talk about it, you know, a lot of it is about how can we make X player the best player they can be. At the end of the day, you don't value in terms of roster construction the ability to to split a runner, right? The ability to hit a cut, the ability to see a ball, you know, up off the bat and or all out of the arm of the the outfielder and know that it's going to go over the cut. All those things are kind of just innate baseball like IQ things that I don't think are emphasized as much, which probably goes back to showcase ball and that environment being as simple as just go hit the ball as hard as you can, throw it as hard as you can. So I do think there is some truth. But let me ask you a question. Fundamentals aren't there. At the program you just coached at last year, how many times did you guys mess up splitting a runner? Very rarely. I mean, we did a 90-10 rule. Um, because unless of you were why? 90% confident you were going to have a yeah, shot at a runner you threw. I don't care about the mechanics threw. of it. Why? Did, why? Yeah, because you had good coaching. Yeah, and, and oh, going it's back definitely – You can honestly, mask it. Yeah. What what Brian Torsani said on this here podcast talking that, that sticks with me is like, you know, his experience in the Dominican of, of they, they practice – I think we might have even talked about this with Carlos too – you know, the culture of they practice and, and we're out here just running travel ball tournaments playing every weekend. Yeah. Not teaching some of so, so like to me like that, that's kind of a lot of the core of that, that issue. And I think to your point as well, the fact that we are in facilities, throw hard, swing hard, not doing a lot of anything else, but yeah, throwing, I mean, you turn on major league baseball and guys are throwing hard and swinging hard. So at the, at the end of the day, to, at the end of the day, Bill Ripken gets on MLB Central once or twice a month and complains about the state of the fundamentals in the game, but it's the best baseball's ever been in terms of talent. Um, so there's a give sure. and a take there, but I also think there is a balance of you can teach the fundamentals and also teach the individualized player development. And I think that's that's probably coming at some point. Um, but again, I, I think it just proves that the most talented players make it, whether they have a high baseball IQ or not. I think that what we value as a as an industry at this point in time is can you hit, can you throw, can you chuck it? Like, what can you do? How can you help us win ball games? And I think we're going to get to the point where um, you're going to be pretty successful in, in this game, whether you can hit a cut or not, whether you know to split a runner, because all that's instincts. I mean, if you if I stuck you in center field right now, Dan, and runner on first takes you a little bit to the right center gap, where's that ball going into? Same it's like, yeah, even right at you, little soft guy takes a great jump, knows second. it's fallen second, right? Like those are things that like. It doesn't take a rocket scientist to to figure out, but some of those some kids that that might not have that IQ or even professionally, I guess, because you do see uh, runners not being split all the time and, and guys trying to make throws that they probably shouldn't make is like it's just come on, you know, it's just one of those things that's instincts. Yeah, and I think for me the the general gist of this too is like I I think there's bad coaches out there whether you're old or young. I don't care about your age i think there's people who can coach and people who can't and there's a lot of bad coaching out there and because there's so much information and stuff blast like we we, you see a lot of bad coaching when you're scrolling social media i also think that i hope that this guy isn't getting confused that i think probably the younger generation has more emotional intelligence than the older generation and like yeah the the discipline thing that sticks out to me in that tweet is like, well, also it's bad coaching. If you just make your guys run for stupid BS. I mean, I I was a sophomore in college and had to do burpees for an hour straight on the whistle because not everyone wore the same thing to lifting. I I had rotator cuff surgery a couple months later, senior tours calf. Like, what do you think that leads back to? Probably the fact that we did burpees for an hour straight one morning because of punishment from a strength and conditioning coach. Like that, that's like, that's not that that's discipline, but that's stupid at the same time. So, I mean, I think there's a difference. Yeah. I really did actually kind of agree with the tweet up until 
the grow 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 a set of balls and, and right. instill right. discipline because correct. You know, I, discipline is a very interesting thing uh, to talk about, and it's what a lot of old people. But I do believe, like the amount of things I've learned from about hitting uh, from A Rod, from Jeff Fry, from guys that I definitely teacher man guys guys that I definitely disagree with on the surface level of the things they try to accomplish as a you know with the platforms that they do have. The amount of things I've learned by staying open-minded and not just saying, well, you know, at the end of the day, why did these guys have success? And I'm not even going to give them the light of day to uh, to say their name again, uh, especially that one in the middle that I sandwiched there. You know, what made these guys successful? What do they know? What could I learn from them? And, and trying to figure out maybe why. You know, I, I saw obviously the clip of A-Rod on ESPN talking to, to Michael K during the Sunday night broadcast about, you know, posture up, hands on top of the baseball. They're teaching this. And in reality, I think in terms of what you see in clips, maybe they are teaching that. But I think I if I've understand who he's trying to call out in that scenario he doesn't necessarily teach that anymore and a rod talking about that is you know there are guys and hitters specifically that need to think posture up hard on top but what that what most of those guys need those are the guys with the quote-unquote natural loft right a rod was a guy he hit 600 plus home runs for a reason uh because he probably had a lot of natural loft in his swing so by thinking down on top by thinking posture up guess what that did they got him on plane um and being able to learn from people that have a lot of experience in the game is super important so i definitely agree with that element it's just the way you go about it the arrogance that the a lot of the older um per se people go about it and like oh you kids don't know nothing well maybe you could learn something from me old 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 veteran that you claim to be um you know you talk about being open-minded and how we should learn from you well maybe you should learn from us and i think the best coaches right the best organizations the best developers of talent understand that that there is an element that works at in an old school, new school, there's a balance between the two. And the best coaches can take an old school mentality and, you know, from two to three, teach that to a kid. And then from three to four can take a new school mentality and they're just adaptable with their players. And it's the same thing on the pitching side that the best coaches are going to be the ones that have a balance. Yeah, I think that, I mean, I, I think you're stupid if, you walk into a situation and, and you sit down with someone with years and years of experience in the game and you aren't willing to listen, you know, and, and, you know, people who do that. And there are some young coaches who just, you know, they get excited and they get out there and they think they've got the world figured out and, and, and they, you know, it's tough for them to adjust because you don't, because that experience matters. Like even if you have all the right ideas, when you talk about coaching and, and being around, you know, young people, the college level, the high school level, even in the minor leagues, like people with experience in those situations who have seen and been through a lot, whether mechanically you might not agree, you can learn a lot from them. And even mechanically, you can take stuff. There is, and you're exactly right. There is like, you know, you have to have an open, it's just good to have an open mind. And people who have been doing it a long time, the best ones who are still around doing it are the ones who are adapting what they've taught and what they've taught three years ago might not be what they're, 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 you know, teaching now. Um, so yeah, I mean, it's hard on, on the, on the website X to be, uh, in the middle. No one, no one, you don't get many, uh, you don't get much engagement if you're in the middle. It's better to be, you you know, you don't appease the masses of the side that you're trying to, to but be it's on. not that and black, I think it's not that black and white. No, it's not that black and white. And I think a great example of that is is a couple coaches across the league, like Dusty Baker. He's just, he's been in the game since before you and I were even a thought. And you know, you don't think the Houston Astros and their management were forced 
for lack of a better term, him to adapt. Um, I'm sure he didn't, I'm sure there were thoughts that were brought to his attention and Dusty Baker's just probably shown that he's, he's the, one of the most open-minded guys to be able to balance that. I think that's the, the big thing. And Brian Snicker isn't exactly a, a young guy. You know, he's not exactly Brandon Hyde young, who's out here and is the biggest analyst analytics guy in the world, you know, but he's able to balance the information and being able to have, you know, the best viewpoint of that. Um, and we, we didn't intend to sit here um, and talk about this very much. We got a lot of conversation that we want to talk about, but first uh, let's give a huge thanks out to our, our sponsor of the podcast seat geek. Uh, Dan and I would like to take a moment to thank our sponsors over at seat geek. Seat geek is a mobile ticketing app that allows users to buy and sell tickets to sports games concerts, and other live events. SeatGeek would like to give our listeners 20% off their first purchase. All you have to do is head over to SeatGeek.com and use our promo code BACKSIDEGROUNDBALL to get $20 off your first purchase. That's SeatGeek.com, promo code BACKSIDEGROUNDBALL to receive $20 off your first purchase. So Dan, I mentioned right there at the end there, obviously we're talking about a couple skippers across the league and, and one of the team that's in, in the headlines every day, and especially as we creep closer to the trade deadline, is the Baltimore Orioles. A report came out today that the Baltimore Orioles uh, were doing their due diligence, is probably the best way I would describe it as, on Shohei Otani, as well as the Arizona Diamondbacks, um, and kind of brought that to my attention of what should the Baltimore Orioles do at this point in time, they're sitting in first place of the best division across baseball. Um, you know, being able to pass the Rays who started out this year on an unbelievable run, starting out 30 and nine, the Orioles have now surpassed them and they are sitting, uh, two and a half games ahead of them as they've continued their win streak as they went into Philadelphia last night and won a uh, tight one late, but people are really pushing and, and really it's media driven and it's kind of funny. Maybe, maybe, I mean, we're getting very, uh, very introspective here, but it's funny how the media wants Baltimore to do one thing, but I trust that management's going to do a complete other thing. And I think it'd just bring a good conversation here. The media's pushing the Otani narrative, the Otani narrative. They should go all in. They should go all in. And we spent all offseason hearing about how the Orioles should go spend money, go spend money, go spend money. And the front office sits back and says, we're trusting our process. We're trusting what we're doing. So initial thoughts on what the Baltimore Orioles should do I know it's a tough question, but what direction should they head in? They're on pace to win 100 games. They've had their best record as an organization since 1997. But am I crazy to think, and I can't be the only one that thinks this, that they're ahead of schedule still? No, I think you're spot on when you say that they're ahead of schedule still. Um, Outside of Adley Rushman, you, you look at the, the other young guys on this roster. Gunnar Henderson had a cup of coffee last year. This is his first, you know, full season. Colton Kowser's come up. He's playing a lot, especially with Hicks going on the IL. Now he's going to play a lot in center. Jordan Westbrook's just getting up. Um, you know, Jorge Mateo is still a younger player. Um, they're not fully – they didn't expect to be in this situation, I think, at this point in their timeline – they are really ahead of, uh, ahead of schedule. They are um, probably only by a year or two, but they're still ahead of schedule in, in being this good. I mean, they have the second best record in baseball. I think when you look at their pitching staff and, you know, what pitcher did they really – like their, their biggest free agent starting pitcher they went and got was Kyle Gibson. Uh, that, that shows you that they weren't ready to compete. They didn't think they were going to be ready to compete in this situation. Um, but they're they're – they're now operating how I think they should be. Doing their due diligence on Shohei Otani is exactly what you're supposed to do when you're in the position they're in. Do your due diligence on all the best players at the top of the market. See how it fits. I'd be shocked if they went and got him. I'd be shocked if the Angels traded him. The Angels are, are four and a half out, I think, right? Four and a half out of a wild card spot. They're still very much in it um, in, the, in the American League. So I still – I just – I've been saying this for a couple of weeks now. I don't think he's going to get moved. I just I, I don't see the Angels pulling that trigger because I think the Angels front office is split on what they should do. 
and I don't think they're going to be able to come to a consensus here in a week. Um, but you never know. But I think the Orioles should be doing their due diligence on, on all the top guys on the market. They should be doing their due diligence on all the top pitching guys on the market. Because personally, for me, what what I think they need to do is, is upgrade the pitching staff. Not even just from a talent perspective. I mean, yes, the talent is there. Or, or, sorry, they have some talent there. It needs to get better. But for me, my biggest concern with the Orioles right now, when you look at their pitching, is something that I think is really important and really matters is guys are going to, at this pace, if they were to play deep into October, or at least even through the DS, they're going to blow past their career inning totals. Okay, Dean Kramer, who's a guy who's now made, he started last night through a great game. He's now made 21 starts this year. His career high last year, he made 21 starts. It's not even August yet. He's matched his start total. He's nine and a third innings, or nine and two thirds innings away from his career total in Major League Baseball. That's two starts. That's two starts from now. So we'll be in August when he gets there. That means he has a whole two months left of the regular season where he's pitching and setting new career highs in innings. That matters. That that is tough. For a pitcher, you see all the time, if you're setting career innings limits and you're doing it as you get to October, late in September, that's one thing. Doing it with two full months of regular season left and then postseason, that's a major concern for me. Kyle Bradish is another guy who's in a similar situation. 117 and two-thirds last year, that's his career high. 97 and a third this year, he's already he's only 20 innings away. Then let's go to their two most important arms, potentially, that's on the roster right now. And the reason that they have gotten to this point, a big reason, is, is Felix Bautista and Yenier Cano. Felix Bautista's career high in innings, 65 and two-thirds. He's at 49 innings. Yenier Cano, his career high in innings, last year he threw 18 innings. 18. He's thrown 48 and two-thirds. So that means he's going to continue to just add on to those those numbers and those big league numbers, and that that the fatigue there is my biggest concern. They need to go get guys, and why I don't think they should shop in the Otani market is because one guy I don't think is what's going to help them last. They need one or two starting pitchers, guy that they can plug in, and Dylan Cease comes to mind, maybe a back end guy as well, and maybe one or two relievers. So for me, shopping in the Otani market. Although it's great and it's awesome to dream, and and boy, would that be fun. You add an MVP caliber bat, and we've talked about it over and over, and a guy at the top of your rotation all in one player just doesn't seem like the wise thing to do if you're the Orioles, if you're serious about winning the World Series this year. Well, not even if you're serious about winning the World Series. It's just serious about building a consistent contender, right? Like you mentioned all the reasons why, and I agree with you that I don't think Shohei Otani is the difference for this team of whether I believe in them as a World Series contender or not. Because whether it's a three-game series, a five-game series, a seven-game series, or late in October as you're creeping towards the World Series, that guy only gets to pitch one, maybe two games. You're still having to send out either inexperienced, talented players like Grayson Rodriguez or underwhelming but solidly performing players like the rest of their staff is rolled out of. So does one arm make them automatically a World Series favorite? I don't think so. And then not to mention the fact of what it would cost to get him now, you're doing your due diligence because if the Angels pick up the phone and they say, no, we, we weren't going to ask for Jackson Holiday or Colton Kowser, okay, now, okay, now we can trend in the right, right direction, right? All right, but you know what the Angels are going to ask for. So for anybody who's pushing that the Orioles should do it and give up Jackson Holiday or Colton Kowser on the way out the door to get half a year of Shohei Otani when you know the ownership is not going to commit to him long term and you really don't have a World Series caliber roster as it stands today you've maximized the potential of guys that are playing above their head and really impressive and and obviously leading to a first place team but it just doesn't make sense to trade away assets as valuable as a Jackson Holiday, as valuable as a Colton Kowser for half of a year of Shohei Otani when you don't even think it's a chance 
that you're going to sign him to the necessary contract that's going to keep him in Baltimore. Now, if he if they felt like ownership felt like Otani was the difference and they were going to commit to it, I don't think there's any team across baseball who shouldn't take the shot to have six extra months of negotiations with Otani and maybe trading away. I think Jackson Holiday, if you thought you had a shot at signing him in the offseason and had the money to do it, I think there's not a player in baseball that's more value that's worth hanging up the phone on a on a Shohei Otani deal. But to get him in an organization that is a small market and not be guaranteed to get him. Now, if you tell me you get Shohei Otani and Dylan Cease, do I start to see the potential of a World Series contender, especially if you can turn it back to 2022 with Dylan Cease? Yeah, I do. But that's going to take a lot of assets to get both of them in the boat and you could just delegate your assets better, hold on to your top and get a Lance Lynn who's been kind of unlucky this year in terms of batted ball and Dylan Cease in one package and give away one of your a billion top 100 prospects and hold on to the guys that Shohei Otani would take. And, and it's not to say that those guys are more valuable than Shohei Otani. It's just the long-term health of your organization. This team is still ahead of schedule as much as we want to push this narrative that they should be all in and they should be doing these aggressive moves. I think they should be aggressive, but I don't think aggressive enough to, to mortgage your future and put that at risk by trading away your your future, right? Jackson Holiday was picked number one. He's already in double A. He's 19 years old. He's literally turning himself into the next Juan Soto, Wander Franco level prospect, and you're going to move him for half a year of Shohei Otani just because you think on a whim that you might be a, a World Series hopeful. I mean, at the end of the day, I still, even as they continue to win games, I mean, I would be sitting here if they won the World Series, I'd probably still be talking about how I don't think they're they're deep enough on the mound to win if as it stands right now. And they would just have to prove me wrong all the way to a, to a celebration in Camden Yards. Yeah, no, they're not. I, I don't think they're deep enough. I think they, and, and the regular season is so different than the postseason. We've seen it now proven especially just the way the games become for whatever reason. Um, just the last several years of the teams that have won um, or even made it to the World Series, whether it's the Phillies, the Braves, the Nationals, those are the three biggest examples of like, just get in, just get in and anything can happen. And, and that being good in that 162 is important, but then having the right team build, it's, it's almost like two, it is two different seasons because it's almost like roster construction can almost be separate from the two. If you have a team just good enough to get in, but really good in short series where you just need a couple big bats in the lineup and a couple horses at the front of the rotation and one or two guys, really, when you look at how much teams shorten their bullpen at the back end, you can get there. And that's where the Orioles, for me, in the starting pitching, they don't have those guys on the mound right now to do that. And then my concern with the back end guys is they have the two back end guys that can shut anyone down. Are they going to be dead tired by the time October rolls around? Get them some help. And I, I just think mortgaging the lineup that you're potentially building, right? The best team in baseball right now is built essentially on really savvy trades where they fleece the Oakland Athletics of their best players and a bunch of homegrown guys, right? When yeah. you talk about Acuna and Albies and Austin Riley and Michael Harris and and you know, then you add in the fact that they took Matt Olson and Sean Murphy, the two best A's players, and gave up nothing for them and, and put them in their team. Like, the Orioles are building towards that right now. When you yeah. talk about Adley and Colton Kowser and, and Jackson Holiday and Gunnar Henderson and Jordan Westberg and, and Heston Kierstead and, and Connor Norby, Col- Colby Mayo, like, there's a that's right there could be a lineup that you could have under team control, especially because of the way contracts work in Major League Baseball, where those guys. Don't hit free agency for six years. And then if you really follow what Alex Anthropolis and the Braves are doing, you then lock them up for seven on on cheaper deals before they can get to the $100, $200 million price tag that, that these guys get to, $300 million that these guys get to when they've proven themselves year over year at the big league level. Now you've built yourself something sustainable. So I wouldn't go mortgaging that to chase the one. And that's kind of the, the, the conversation that you and I – have a lot in the offseason of is the one world series worth like would you rather have the one world series and then be eh forever or would you rather be sustainable year over year with a shot every year because again I, just the way my brain works get in every year and the ball breaks your way once one time one year and you get your world series right think about the, the astros 
the Nationals, Nationals, the Nationals who went on that run where they were in there every single year. And then there you go, right? Trent Grisham misplays the ball. And next thing you know, here they're yep. going on the run. Sprinkler. Right? Or, yep. or the Astros who have now consistently been in it. And they've won two. But they're in it every year. They didn't mortgage for just one of those. You know, and, and, and the Astros are a little bit of a different machine just because they always can trade for the big guy at the deadline and still re-up their farm system. But for me, it's just like if I'm sitting here and I'm, I'm an Orioles fan, and I actually had this conversation today with an Orioles fan who's a loyal listener um, via text message. It was like, this will probably be the most fun year you'll have as an Orioles fan, so really soak it up because the expectations now are going to be there and it's going to be less fun. But enjoy this. Enjoy the fact that you are starting to see this team come into their own. And from here on out, if things continue the direction it looks like, this is going to be a team that's in it every single year with a chance to win it. So why, 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 why go trade two, three, four of these guys to get at the half a year? To me, the juice isn't worth the, worth the squeeze there because then what happens if you run into the Astros and the CS and, and Javier and Framberg go bonkers on you? That's, or, or even in the DS, you don't know how that it's going to shake out. Or, you know or what I mean? That crazy thought here. Yeah, healthy Yankees. Rotation. And they just and Aaron Judge and, and with Rodan, that rotation, Cole, and Aaron Judge and goes bonkers. Judge shoves it, boom, done. Season over, right. and you just traded assets. And that that's that's the big thing too. Is I want to go back to the to the sustainability versus the kind of the the flash in a pan World Series kind of contenders. And I mean, look at the Kansas City Royals. Flags fly forever, right? And not to even kick them while they're down. I'm just trying to think about one organization that had the high highs, and it was just. Whoop, and they're kind of still down in that area. But Immediately. you even think about it, that one is not guaranteed. As much as we want to sit here and talk about how the best teams, the best teams, the best team, oh, they're going to win a World Series. We say that in so much in passing, right? Oh, they get Otani. They're going to win the World Series. The Braves could get Otani, and they could still not win the World Series and then lose them in free agency, right? Like 100% is a realistic possibility that – even the best team, the most talented, the deepest teams, they don't always win in baseball. So you mortgage your future, you go for the one, you end up losing that guy in free agency, and then you turn around and you don't build a consistent contender. Whereas on the opposite end of that, right, Mike Rizzo used to get the world of flack because he every year he'd be like, my job is to build a 90-win team. And then add for a potential playoff run in the deadline and then just hope the cards fall in place. People would be like – well, why aren't you building a playoff contender team? Why aren't you building a team that can win in the playoffs? Why don't you build a team that does this in the playoffs, does that in the playoffs? There is no one way to win in the playoffs. It's just a matter of a fact. Like no one way, deep bullpen doesn't win. It wins one year, it doesn't win. The Nationals basically stuck Patrick Corbin out, hung his career on the on the rafters, and then left it out there in Houston when rolling him out of the pen, right? You can do those things. You can bring Steven Strasburg out of the pen and hang his career up in the rafters too. Like there's flexibility you can do there if you don't have a bullpen. And then you look at the Astros last year, and it's like bulletproof bullpen, like no holes, no – no easy hits, like no easy innings for opposition, and they can make a run at it. And then you have lineups that don't strike out in the Kansas City Royals back in the day. And then you have lineups that do strike out and hit for a ton of power and do all these things. There is no one way to win in the World Series, and if anything, you should err on the side of let's build a consistent contender as best as we can, utilize our assets as best as we can, and try to build the most successful team as many times as we can and not mortgage anything just for one year. If Otani had a year and a half of control, I'd completely agree for it. I think that if if Soto was a legit possibility, I think he makes more sense, right? We talk about that with the Tampa Bay Rays. Two playoff runs instead of one is a huge deal. That matters a ton. But just getting them for one just doesn't make sense for the Baltimore Orioles as it stands right now. No, and, and I think that for me, I, and, and look at the look at the Padres, right? They did mortgage and they, they built this roster that was just – it's full of stars and they've mortgaged a lot of their farm system and, and they had the one year and they didn't win in the CS. And now this year they're fighting for the lives. And you look at a team like the Phillies who, again, they're fighting to get in, even get into the playoffs right now. And, and they've continued to spend 
big in the free agency market and it's not guaranteed. But then turn and look at the Dodgers where they're every year and they get flack too for they only have the one World Series. Yeah, but they have a chance to win it every year. And if one or two things go their way, look, they're going to get in again this year. They're going to probably win that division again this year. They have the second best record. I think they have the second best record in the NL again. They're sitting there. And if they get in and if the, the ball bounces their way, they could be right back with a chance to win another World Series because they consistently build it. So, you know, I, I I love this Orioles team. I love the direction they're heading. I think that they have the chance to really build something for the future and for year over year over year. And I think their front office recognizes that and they're not going to mortgage it. But, you know, they've already – I mean, I little, little moves that could be huge. You know, going and getting Shintaro Fujinami, who ha- obviously has the stuff and couldn't throw strikes or figure it out in Oakland. You know, he might he he comes to Baltimore. He starts throwing strikes with that stuff. That's He's been a huge really good recently. Yeah, yeah. So you know, that's the the type of moves they need to make. Dylan Cease is the guy for me. That if I'm the Orioles, if you can go get a Dylan Cease, that's a really smart move. That's a guy you can give give the ball to every fifth day who has Cy Young potential stuff. I know he hasn't had a great year, but he has the potential to do that. I even love a Lance Lynn as well. Um, I think a Lance Lynn, a guy who has not performed very well this year and being able to, to kind of get him in your system and be able to potentially get something to click for him, give him some meaningful starts for a guy who's on the back end of his career. Uh, just give him an opportunity to take the ball with, you know, with meaning, with a sold out crowd, with everything that matters. I think Lance Lynn would be a huge get for them, but obviously we're going to have plenty of time. We're going to do a couple trade deadline episodes and, and we're going to have a lot more clarity on what Michael Elias is, is planning on doing. So Uh, We do want to get into a little bit of just some rapid fire stuff really to close out and we'll have some conversation points, but we'll go more in depth about some moves. Uh, But before we get into that, we want to take take this time to thank our sponsors over at Routine Baseball. Routine Baseball offers authentic baseball apparel such as t-shirts, shorts, hoodies, and hats. Their products make the perfect gift for any baseball fan. Routine Baseball wants to give our listeners 10% off their order. Just head over to routine.com slash backside ground ball to receive 10% off your order today. So Dan, we're going to do a little bit of buy or sell um, and we're going to talk about the team here specifically. I'll give you a little bit of details about the team and I want you to tell me if you think they should buy or sell. If I disagree, I'll make sure to let you know. And then we're going to get into rapid fire. This is going to be serious rapid fire. So not a ton of information, no destinations, nothing specific, just trade or no trade. Uh, So you ready to get into this? Yep. Awesome. So we'll start with buy or sell. Should the New York Yankees sitting at 53 and 47, they're nine games back of the Baltimore Orioles and two and a half back of a wild card. Should they buy or should they sell? Yeah, we did this a couple weeks ago and you kind of changed my mind. I think um, through that discussion, I think the Yankees need to buy. I think that if you get Aaron judge back and you get Garrett Cole and you get some of these other arms that they have in that rotation, Carlos Rodon, and, and you know, we don't know what Luis Severino is ever going to be, but if you get any of those guys back in, on the mound and pitching, they can be dangerous. Go get yourself maybe another starter, but definitely some offensive help, um, especially specifically in left field. Uh, so I would say the Yankees need to buy two and a half games is nothing. They can do that in a week um, and be right in the playoff situation. So um, I, I'm going to say they're definitely a buy for me. Yeah, I'm with you there. Uh, I have been banging the drum that I think this is the best chance they have at a World Series just because of their pitching staff. I don't know if I believe that as much as I did in February and March. Obviously, the pitching staff hasn't been healthy. Losing Aaron Judge hurts. That lineup is skeleton skin and bones at times, um, but they need some help. I think the biggest problem is you go and get a, a Cody Bellinger, a Lane Thomas, these guys that are kind of performing over their skis a little bit at this point in time, and then they regress to the mean. It's a lot like the Andrew Benintendi deal. 
I would like to see a legit savvy move of picking up a guy that you can really trust, right? Like whether it's a guy who hits the ball hard, whether it's a guy who taps into some power, whether it's a guy whose floor is to get some walks or, or even you go big and, and grab a guy like Juan Soto, I think obviously would be the perfect one there. He kind of does it all. Um, but I think that's what they need. Um, but let's head across town to Queens here. Do the New York Mets sitting at 46 and 53. Who would have predicted that in February outside of the backside ground balls podcast? 18 and a half games back of the Atlanta Braves. And I believe they were three games back when Pete Alonzo said, throw it again uh, to uh, whoever that was. We're just kicking, kicking you guys while you're down and enjoying every second of it. Seven games back of the wild card. Should the New York Mets buy or sell? It's funny. As we sit here and talk about these two teams, the Mets are up seven and one on the Yankees in Yankee stadium tonight. But regardless of that fact, yeah, the Mets need to sell them up. They don't need to tear it down and, and rebuild, but they need to move some of these pieces that are that are going to be on inspiring deals that are older. Get back what you can um, to help boost up the farm system, and then do what you do and, and and reload and kind of come after it. I think they need to reshape that offense. I think in the off season, I think you and I both need to agree whether that's a change of approach or I, I think it's more so a change of personnel and some of the guys that are in that lineup. Um, and you can start you know, laying the foundation for that by selling off some of these guys, whether it's the big names on the mound or whether it's, you know, some of these outfielders, fam, Canna, Marte, do get what you can for some of these guys. Um, I, I don't think that they should be going into a full rebuild, obviously, um, but they definitely need to sell the pieces and just get some props, some more prospects in there. They have some young guys in that system that should continue to get better and help that team. Um, I don't think they're going to go any, they're not going to, you know, be gone from relevancy or anything like that, but this is just not, it just didn't work this year. Um, there were holes on this roster and they need to, they need to fix them and they need to start by getting rid of some of the guys at the big league level and, and getting back in return some pieces to help you move forward. Yeah, I, I completely agree. It'll be interesting to see who they decide to, uh, to go after or who they decide to move. Um, the Scherzers and the Verlanders of the world are interesting. And as we mentioned in the offseason, Daddy Cohen's got to keep that energy, right? Keep that energy, keep that energy, keep that energy. And and it'll be interesting to see because everybody's talking about Otani to New York. Otani's a lock to New York. Otani to New York. I don't know. He might need to get $43.3 million off the books in Max Scherzer's contract. Yeah, put that into perspective. Max Scherzer off injured back problem. He's making 43.3 with a player option next year. Uh, that's a lot of money. And Cohen's rich. He's, he makes it known that he's rich. I don't know if he's going to be happy to pay a hundred million between two guys, potentially if they do make a serious play for Otani, not to mention that Verlander is going to be making a lot of money at that point as well. So as we head out West to the other underperforming national league team, the San Diego Padres sit at 48 and 53. They're 10 games back of the Los Angeles Dodgers. They're six games back of a wild card. Do the Padres buy or sell? I think the Padres should sell here. Um, again, it's an, it can't be, it's not a full rebuild. It's not a blow this thing up. It's, it's, it's the same as the Mets for me. It's this collection didn't work. Go get what you can. Um, to build the foundation for moving forward and, and start over in the off season. They need to address pitching um, for sure that going into next year, they need to move some of these pieces. They, they should start moving, you know, I, whether you move Soto or not is one thing that, you know, I wouldn't, if they do fine, if they don't, I'm also fine with it, but there's some other pieces on that roster that they definitely can move and get some value for. And I think that they, they might as well look, Again, I, I, if you look at these teams who have, I know everyone talks about just get in and with these, but every single one of those teams who have just gotten in and gone on them as long runs out of the wild card spot have all had really good starters at the top of the rotation. Snell has been great, but Snell is is too hot and cold for me to just bank on him going on an, another postseason run like 2020. And I don't think there's anyone after him that can do it. So for me, six games is a lot. They got a lot of teams to hop. I would sell and just start over next year. Again, just like the Mets, this is a team who, if they get some pieces back here and they restructure this thing and and fix some of the holes in this roster in the offseason, they can be right back at the top of their division and in the top of the league and in contention to potentially go on a run and win a World Series next year. So go ahead and sell the pieces you can this year at the deadline. 
And if ownership's serious about making a play for Otani, why not? Sell at the deadline, get some pieces back, go get your ace level starter, maybe bring a Blake Snell back uh, on a free agent deal. Um, you know, he's at this point in time, he's an escape artist, but um, he's been really good. He had seven walks in five innings and gave up no earned. That's when you know you're rolling. Uh, but we'll head up to the Pacific Northwest. I think this is a little tougher one just because of the circumstances. The Mariners are sitting at 50 and 50. They're eight and a half back of the Texas Rangers as it stands right now. They're five and a half back of the wild card. So they're sitting at almost as far back as the Padres and the Mets, but they're 50 and 50. There's a ton of talent on this team. What should the Mariners do? This is a really tough one. Only because when I look at this roster, I think that some of the offensive moves they made just weren't very good. And on paper, I think at the time it looked like they were going to work out, but they haven't. For me, it's all, it's going to be a sell too. And I think it's a sell. It's a small sell. Look, that, that rotation is, is young and one of the best in baseball and they can ride that moving forward. They locked up Castillo, Kirby, Gilbert, Miller, like these guys, they're going to roll on the mound. This is another, for me, again, it's a retool. It's not a rebuild. It's a get back and go, but move Teoscar Hernandez. He's off the books anyway. Get some guys back for him. I don't think anyone's going to take him, but they need to move on from Colton Wong after this year. They need to figure out something at second base. I would – I think if it was a different year, if they were sitting at 50 and 50 and five and a half back, I would say go ahead and buy. I just like the position and kind of the rosters of some of these other teams. And I don't know if I'm the Mariners if this is the year where I go ahead and, and sell out to get in. Good old-fashioned buy-sell. I think you buy controllable assets if you can. Uh, if nobody comes up that's controllable, you can answer. sell off your rentals. Yeah, um, definitely. But uh, like, I think the Cincinnati Reds are in a similar spot. If you can get two and a half years of a really solid player that you believe in, go get him. Like a Dylan Carlson, that wouldn't hurt. Um, I know he doesn't play the positions that, that they, they're looking for. So another team right now that's kind of in limbo is the Chicago Cubs. The Chicago Cubs sit at 48 and 51. They're seven games back of the Milwaukee Brewers and they're five games back of a wild card. Should the Chicago Cubs buy or sell? This is getting redundant for me. I'm sorry. Buy or sorry, sell, sell. They need to sell. Move Cody Bellinger, move Marcus Stroman. These guys are coming off. I, I'm kind of. It's tough. They're in, a, in one of these situations that some other teams are where it's like they invested in some guys that they expected to have big years and they've severely underperformed. Ian Happ, who I love, they give him that three-year extension. He hasn't been good. He's specifically been really bad right-handed. Seiya Suzuki, who last year looked like he was going to be a really good player. He's really underperformed this year. Um, Nico Horner's kind of been up and down and he struggled a little bit. I think the Cubs are, are getting close again to having a roster that you like. And I think this is exactly what, when we previewed this team at the beginning of the year, you and I kind of saw for them. They were going to show flashes of being good. They were starting to take the steps to be a contender. They're not there yet. Move the pieces that are coming off the books and, and continue to retool and move for the future. I think they're close. They're really, really close. I would even consider moving a guy like Kyle Hendricks. Yeah. I mean, I'm surprised. I, was just intrigued, but uh, say Suzuki crushes baseballs. Um, he's yes. 89th percentile in average exit velocity, 95th in max, 87th in hard hit. Just barrel percentage is a little low. So, you know, if he could tap into some more power, because I remember coming into the season thinking that maximize Cody Ballinger. That's all I'm going to say. You can sign him in the offseason if he really likes being in Chicago. And Stroman's been pretty outspoken about the same things. Now, so we'll head back east here. Uh, the Boston Red Sox sit at 53 and 47. They're in the exact same spot as the New York Yankees with a lot less expectations coming into the year. They're nine games back of the Baltimore Orioles, tied for last place with the Yankees, but sitting at two and a half back. Alex Cora always seems to have the boys going, playing good baseball. Should the Red Sox buy or sell? Well, they, they sold Kike Hernandez today back to the Dodgers, which was an interesting move. Get Kike back to, I guess, a place he's comfortable. He's, he really hasn't had a good year. But I guess I'm going to take the cop-out answer that you just took with the Mariners. This is a buy-sell for me. Like the, the two and a half out, the Red Sox, that's a week, right? That's a, that's a good week, and they're, they're right in it. Um, 
I think if you can get a controllable starting pitcher, if you can get maybe another bat, that's athletic. But I kind of, I've done a lot of bashing of the Red Sox, but I'm starting to see here what they're building. You know, Jaron Duran has been excellent for them lately. I really like him. I think he's going to be a really good player. Masataka Yoshida is a good player. Devers now they've got locked up. The Alberto Mondesi move wasn't a bad one. The fact that he's not going to step on the year for them is kind of a blow. But for me, this is a buy-sell. Sell off some of the, the expiring deals that if you can. Get some of the money off your books. And I think if you can get some controllable assets, big league-level guys, yeah. And they could get in. They could make a run at this thing. They're not far off. They're actually – I'd like this roster sitting here at the end of July than I did you know, a lot more than I did when we were in spring training. I'm with you, and, and I, I mean, they're they're a healthy Chris Sale away from being a legit contender, and I don't think that's a talent thing. I think they've just played over their skis, and the and the roster's starting to take shape. And if they can get a healthy Chris Sale, like there's oh. no reason I don't think that they they would be competing. Um, that could be their deadline acquisition. Is the way he looked before he went down. Um, it's not, it's not hopeful, but, and that's, that's cliche. You can tell I'm, I'm in the GM chair right now by saying, you know, Aaron judge is a great um, trade deadline acquisition. You can already hear Brian Cashman saying it right now. And last but not least, the team that everybody wants to talk about the Los Angeles angels. Surprisingly to most, they stood at 51 and 49. They're seven and a half back of the Texas Rangers. Four and a half back of the wild card. Obviously, they would have to leave both the Yankees and the Red Sox that we've already talked about. And I want to throw in the caveat here, and I think this is very important. They haven't had Mike Trout for a while. Doesn't seem like they're going to have him very much the rest of the way. He might be able to come back and be healthy down the stretch. Anthony Rendon, which that contract looks bad. He seems to be out for a long stretch. Those are things that I think need to be taken into consideration when you look at this 51 and 49 and where they sit in the standings and also on top of who they are behind in those standings. I, this is a really tough one for me. Buy. I think they need to buy. I think they need to dig their heels in here. I think they need to go out and they need to continue to do whatever they can to get into the playoffs. And you know, you've made this point several times and you just kind of set it up there again by saying what you were, you were saying without Trout, the Rendon thing. It's not like they haven't tried and they continue to try and build a winner. I kind of, this is, this team's a lot better than they were last year. I think people, we just continue to look at, we just look at the standings, if they're in it, if they're out of it, and that's what we go off of. This team is so much better than they were last year. The pitching is way better than they were last year. They actually have a chance to be good. If they got another starter and maybe a bat, and honestly, I don't hate their lineup as it is right now. If you added Mike Trout to it, it would be massive, obviously. Who knows how long he's going to be out with the ham eight thing. But, I, I mean, the way Mickey Moniak's playing, I like Zach Neto. Shohei is obviously there. Keep him there. Hunter Renfro does one thing well, and he can continue to do it well. Like, for me, it's it's – I don't want them to just to pack it in this year. Don't go sell it all off. I think they should buy. I think they should try and go for it. They can make up these four and a half games. They're going to need some luck. They're going to need some help. I want to see them go do it, though. This might be the last time we get to see Shohei out there. So I want them to get back in the playoffs. And I think Trout, or Trout would be healthy by the playoffs. Get him back there. Let's see what can happen. Because I, I don't think they have the pitching to go on a run. But if Trout and Otani are in the postseason and they get hot, the Angels can beat anybody. Yeah, um, I think they should sell, but only because I just think the outlook, future outlook of the organization's grim. I think they're very Miami Marlins with Giancarlo, Yelich, and Ozuna, and all those guys, JT, um, where you sit there and you go, man, all these guys played for one team. That team must have been really good, and they just never were, right? Like, they just, just never were. It was missing, always missing one or two starters, always missing one or two bats. And the Angels, I'm with you. I want them to compete. I want them to, to contend. But at the end of the day, sometimes you have to do what's best for your for your organization and what's best for your for your franchise there. As I believe the Philadelphia Phillies have tied the Baltimore Orioles um, 
on what is probably um, don't know exactly what happened. I just saw a, a physical physical reaction there um, off of Yiner Cano in the bottom of the ninth. Um, but Dan, before we get out of here, let's go into some rapid fire. Trade or no trade. And this is brought to you by our friends over at BetterHelp. BetterHelp is a great source for maintaining your mental health and finding the right mental health service can be extremely difficult. BetterHelp provides an easier way to get professional help. BetterHelp connects you with a therapist custom picked for you and has flexible scheduling all at a more affordable price and from the comfort of your own home. BetterHelp would like to give our listeners 10% off their first month. All you have to do is head over to BetterHelp.com slash Backside Ground Balls to get 10% off your first month. So, Dan, a little rapid fire coming to you live here from BetterHelp. Trade or no trade, are you ready for this? Let's do it. Lance Lynn. Trade. Juan Soto. No trade. Yimer Candelario. Trade. Lucas Giolito. Trade. Cody Bellinger. Trade. Nice. Dylan Cease. Trade. There you go. Pete Alonso. No trade. Dylan Carlson. Trade. For anybody who remembers the, that's 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 selling low, but trade. For anybody who remembers, the Cardinals didn't want to finish the deal for Juan Soto because they didn't want to give up Dylan Carlson on Which top is of crazy their prospect pass. And I like I think and I like Dylan t- Carlson more than anyone, by the way. I like Dylan Carlson too, but that's why you don't get hung up on one fringe big leaguer over a superstar in a trade. Mitch oh. Keller. Trade. Really? Yeah. Nolan Arenado. No trade. Justin Verlander. I don't know who or how you make this deal work with the contract, the no trade, the forty the forty eight million whatever he's getting paid a hundred million dollars every year from here on out that they gave him. Try and trade it if you can. I, I if you, if if team can make it work, do it. Wilson Contreras. This is ridiculous to me. I don't know. I, you sign this deal, then he obviously doesn't get along. You thought he was going to be Yadier Molina. They were moving him to left at one point in May. He's been catching. He's been DHing. I, I don't know. I guess they don't like him. I, I don't know. I don't even know what his value is at this point. But the, the funny thing about the Cardinals is that I think that they're ta- they keep telling everyone they're going to be sellers, but they don't want to trade Goldschmidt and Arenado, so they're trying to trade these other pieces that I don't know where they fit or who they fit with. Uh, I can't even think of a contending team that needs catching help, the Padres, but are they even going to buy or sell? It's it's a that's a weird one for me. David Bednar, trade. Relievers Paul are Goldschmidt, trade. Marcus Stroman, trade. Get him off the but he's an expiring contract. Lane Thomas, I think you got to trade Lane Thomas. Um, I, yeah, I don't think the Nationals are close, and, and he's get whatever value you can. This is going to be the highest he's probably going to be as far as trade value goes. Trade him, one hundred percent. You got him for a thirty-nine-year-old John Lester. Just maximize your return on investment there and get out, Mike Rizzo, Jordan Hicks. Uh trade relievers are replaceable. If I ever had, if I was ever not in a playoff position and had a good reliever, I would be trading him. If anyone was curious, every time, Max every Rizzo. time. Uh, same thing with Verlander. I don't know how it works with the contract, the age, the the the, the, uh, the player option next year with all that money. I, no trade is what I'm going to say. I don't think anyone's going to make – I don't know who's going to make the – unless the market gets so crazy where more teams are buying than we expect. And I, 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 it just the fits for those two guys are really hard for me to figure out. Um so I, I think they'll sure. find homes, but that's just me. I think there will be suitors. You might that be right. It's just hard easy. to uh, it's it's hard to figure out where. And the crown jewel of the class, Shohei Otani. 
No trade. I just said I want the Angels All to right. buy. I want them to hold on to them. Keep yep. them. Keep them. I know everyone loves this time of year because it's fun. So everyone wants the biggest pieces to always be traded because it's fun to dream about. But come on. All right. That was fun there. Uh, brought to you by BetterHelp. Rapid fire there. Um, so, Dan, any closing thoughts before we get out of here? Orioles fans, I warned you about your pitching staff and your bullpen getting tired. <laughs> well, the irony of, of the first place team that's comfortably in first getting flack from the Philadelphia Phillies fan on, on I'm not a giving them platform. flack. I feel like that's a legitimate concern. There's no flack here. It is. I'm saying it is. Yenier but... Cano's stuff did not look the same as it did three weeks ago, a month ago when I just watched him. Well, your saying. Angels blew a six to two lead in the in the ninth inning well, you know as well, what? so that doesn't help with their uh, with their buying that they back of. But they have a one run lead as it stands right now, with one out to get with a runner in scoring position. And your your so. Yankees are down seven to two to the Mets. My so. Yankees, my Yankees. Come on now. Thank you to all our listeners for tuning in as that will conclude our episode for today. Make sure you're subscribing to the podcast on all podcast platforms, including Apple Pods, Spotify, and anywhere you find your podcast. We post episodes every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, always hitting your feed at 7 a.m. sharp. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter at BacksideGB, Instagram at BacksideGroundBalls, and TikTok at BacksideGroundBall. Also, make sure you're subscribing to the YouTube channel for any video content that you're looking for. You want to see Dan and I's beautiful faces on these given days. You want to see my Wilson County Pickleball shirt. Uh, YouTube's the place for that. And most importantly, make sure you're sharing with five friends, and we'll see you next time on the Backside Ground Balls podcast.